0: This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. New content will be available every week throughout 2016. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. Leviticus chapter 19. Leviticus 19, and just verses 9 and 10. (coughs) Excuse me. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not wholly reap the corners of your field, nor shall you gather the gleanings of your harvest. And you shall not glean your vineyard, nor shall you gather every grape from your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and the stranger. I am the Lord your God. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not wholly reap the corners of your field. In the Old Testament economy of the law, God always made provision for the poor, the fatherless, the widow, and the stranger who was traveling through the land. And so after all the plowing and the sowing, and after all the tillage, and after all the tending of the field, when it came to the harvest... The corners of the fields were to be left unreaped. God required the corners of the field. The man who plowed and who planted and who tilled and who tended, he could have all of the harvest. He could gather all of that in. His granaries would be full, but he must not reap the corners of his field. That belongs to God. Our lives are like that field. God will give us the harvest of it to enjoy. He will bless us with the fruit of our labors, the work of our hands, but there are corners of our field that belong to Him. He requires them at our hand. They're not for us to hold on to, not for us to gather into our barns as it were. So we must submit them and surrender them to His will and purpose. What am I talking about? Well', take time, just as an example. The Lord gives us six days to do all of our labor. And in that six days, we work, and uh, perhaps we have some family time. Maybe some leisure time, depending on your job, depending on how many hours you have to work. And I know that some of you, you're saying, David, I haven't got half an hour to spare in my whole week. I'm work, 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 work. I understand that. But those six days is for that time. But then there's one day in the week, and that's the corner of the field that God requires. The actually Sunday, what we call Sunday, uh, or the Lord's Day, uh, in the New Testament, the early church called it the first day of the week. Now, even after me announcing just a moment ago about Moira's big weekend, when all the churches are going to get together, let me say that as Christians, we we tend to have a weekend mentality. In other words, we we think of from Friday night when we stop work, say, for most people, until Sunday night, just before Monday morning, that's our weekend. Actually, it isn't. As a believer, your weekend ends on Saturday night. Sunday is the first day of the week. Now, don't want to be legalistic about any of this because some of you have to work on Sundays. You're, you're required to do that. It's your job. You have to do that. That's fine. Understandable. Not an argument. Some goes on holidays. You've got to go on holidays. Fine. Not being legalistic. But generally, by and large we need to look at it and rearrange our thinking when it comes to Sunday, it's the first day of the week for the believer. Monday's our first working day usually, but Sunday's the first day of the week. And the whole emphasis in the New Testament is that comes first. We give that to God. It's for corporate worship. It's for us to come together as a body of people. And we do it all over the land, all over the world, in fact. And we come together for corporate worship together as a body of Christ here. And so this is an important thing. God gives us lots of time to do what we need to do, but he says there's one day of the week I want you to hold that, come together to focus on worship, to think of eternal things. In other words, you've had six days of the world to fill all of your time and your thoughts and all the rest. Aren't you glad for the first day of the week? Aren't you glad to come to the eyes of God? Just to worship together and to think on the things of God. Because a week is in so fast, doesn't it? And you're out there in the hurly burly of life. You have so many commitments. You have so much responsibility. You've got to get the, win the bread and all the rest of it. It's great that we can come together in one day of the week and give that to the Lord. Sadly, sadly, for much of the church today, that's not the case. It's just the weekend. I see it on Facebook continually. Hooray for the weekend. And that weekend mentality means God's house is left and the things of eternity are put to the side. Every day, every day, God gives us 24 hours. Every day. And in that 24 hours, we work, we eat, we sleep, we watch television, do whatever we do, go to the movies, whatever it is, how much of that 24 hours, how much of the corner of that field do we give to him? How much time? Again, not being legalistic. Martin recently encouraged us all to begin to read through the Bible daily. So I'm not being legalistic, and neither was he, but to guide us and encourage us to spend some point of every day with our thoughts, focusing on Him. That may mean you getting alone, going into another room in the house, or getting in your car, driving up the road, or going a walk in the forest, or wherever that may be, but that little bit of time, say, Lord, this is you and me time. Uh, I I need to come before you. Uh, I need to pray. I need to meditate. I need to read. I need to think. I need to hush what's going on around me and get focused on the Lord. So time is a corner of our field that belongs to him. Money. God says, look, uh, I I give you by far the majority of your money uh, for you to be blessed. Uh, And you can spend it wisely and enjoyably. But there's a corner of that That belongs to me for my kingdom. Again, not being legalistic, but we do try to encourage believers to tithe one tenth. And then anything above that is blessings of offerings. But here's the reality, folks God says, Give me one tenth. George Osborne, the Chancellor of Exchequer, says, Give me two tenths. (laughs) The government requires two-tenths of your wage every week, every month, whatever it may be, depending on how much you pay as a taxpayer. So, be encouraged that a part of your finances that you have earned and hard-earned, a part of that should go to the kingdom of God, should it not? I believe that it should. And perhaps that's a corner of your field that you need to submit uh, to the Lord. But you say, but I need that corner. I I, I have to have that corner. Trust me, give that corner to the Lord and he'll bless the other nine-tenths in ways that you never thought possible. But it requires faith, doesn't it? It does take a step of faith and make a sacrifice that God will honor and God will bless the work of our hands. There are corners of your field of life, your field of life, where you do the sowing and others will do the reaping. And it's all part of the law of sowing and reaping. In John chapter 4, if I may just read a little portion here. John chapter 4, Jesus, verse 34, Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you, do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes, look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. He who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this... The saying is true, one sows and another reaps. And let's just hold that place there for a moment. It's all part of the sowing and reaping principle that's throughout Scripture. And you will do a lot of sowing in life that others will reap from. Take an inventor, for instance, just for example somebody gets a brilliant idea and with their creative juices flowing uh, they work on that idea and they think about it uh, and they write it down or they draw it out they sketch it and and then they go about to make some kind of a a model of it a prototype or some kind of a a copy Uh, and then if it's really really good and you think this is going to be a gore, then if they're wise enough, they'll probably have to patent the idea, or, or some put some copyright on it. Uh, and then they'll work some more on it, and they may have to tear the script up and start all over again because something just does not work in it. But they work hard at it, and they work long at it. And eventually, out comes this great idea. And guess what? Millions of them are used throughout the world. Millions of people reap the harvest of that one good idea. How many of you have a suitcase for your holidays or hand luggage for your holidays with two wheels or four wheels on it and a little handle on it? You cannot buy a suitcase or hand luggage today without having four wheels and a little pulley handle. Sure you can't. But you see, that was an airline pilot invented that. He got tired lugging that big heavy flight bag through all of those airports full of those charts and all the rest of it. And so he thought one day, do you know what? If I could have a little trolley for this, make life so much easier. And just that one simple idea. And then he thought, do you know what? I, I, I should incorporate the trolley into the bag. That would be a better idea. And on and on he went. Until he came up with the whole idea that everybody in the world uses it travels today. I don't know anybody that doesn't travel without something like that today. Think of how many millions of people around the world are reaping the benefit of that one simple good idea. Right. You think mothers especially, and I know fathers too, but particularly mothers I think. You think of the the hours and the time and the energy they put into that child. Uh, you know, and they, they try to teach that child ethics and integrity and morality and of and their believers about the things of God uh, and spirituality. Uh, what do they want? They want their child to grow up to be a good citizen of, of whatever country they belong to. Hardworking, industrious, mannerly, tactful, just everything. They, they want that package in their child. And they work hard to get that. And if if they're believers, they want to get into that child, the things of God. But then look at the, the fallout from that. If that child grows up a good citizen... It's particularly a a great believer. And if that child grows up uh, mannerly and and courteous and all of those things, think of the benefits they are going to be to other people through the investment of that one woman especially into that child. Think of when that child goes to school. It's going to be a model child at school. Not too many of those, but nevertheless, going to be a model child at school. Growing up is going to be a good worker any employer would love to have that young person come and work for them, and so forth and so on. So much sowing, but then there's so much reaping that others will reap the harvest from all of that sowing from that one or two individuals in that young person's life. Think of a missionary or somebody who pioneers in God's work. And all of the energy and all of the effort and all of the time (laughs) and all of uh, their whole life is put into that. But who gets the benefit? Many, 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 many will reap the harvest of all of that sowing that they do. And so the Israelite knew that the corner of his field was to be left. He knew that. Before he ever sowed a seed in that field, he knew those corners will be left at the time of harvest. But that didn't stop him sowing and planting and plowing and tilling and tending every one of those corners. Now, he could have been cynical. He could have said, why should I bother? Why take all of that time and effort into those corners when I know at the end of the day, I'm not going to be reaping that harvest? Why should I bother? Somebody else is going to be blessed. Why should I bother? Why should I not just keep all of that? Or why should I not bother sowing into that area so there's hardly anything comes up other than what's found by mistake? But he didn't, because he knew that his harvest of his life was dependent on his obedience to God to sow into those corners and not to reap them, that others would be blessed. He was smart enough to know that. And we have got to be smart enough to know that, too. That we make the effort, that we till, that we toil, that we sow, and others will reap. Thank God for that. That's wonderful. That's the way that God works. Now, to the worldly person, to the carnal Christian, it seems foolishness, because they want it all for themselves. The old saying is, they get all they can, and they can all they get. And they want it for themselves alone why this waste? you remember the wonderful story in in Matthew 26 how that Jesus was in Simon the uh, Pharisee's house and while they were there how that woman came into the midst with that alabaster box full of that very precious precious ointment and how that she poured it out upon Jesus In Matthew 26, says the disciples were indignant. Why this waste? Why this waste? They knew how much that cost. They knew that was very, very expensive. I mean, that just just wasn't something that was cheap. This was the best that she had, had probably been saving it up for years. And they couldn't believe it. Why this waste? Remember what Jesus said? He said, well, what are, you, what, are you, what are you thinking in your hearts of at waste? He said, don't you know that she has done this unto my burial? You've, you've got the poor with you always, and whenever you get the opportunity, do them good. But you want not have me with you always. That's what he said. So this woman has done this unto my burial. So wherever this gospel is preached, this woman's story will be told as a memorial to her. It was something that was precious to Jesus. To the carnal Christian, or to the worldly person, it just seems a waste. Jesus said in Matthew 16, for us particularly, he said, if you give your life in other words, if you lose your life to me, you'll find your life in me. But if you save your life, you'll lose your life. The world's economy doesn't work that way. Sure, it doesn't. It's, it's a different mindset completely. And Jesus says, you die to live, you lose to get. That's the opposite to how this world thinks. If you want to be a leader, you've got to be a servant. If you want to stand tall, you've got to bow low. And so the whole economy of God is entirely different for us than this world. And they don't see that. But we see it. And fourthly, the unreaped corners of your feet represent delayed blessings, not denied blessings. Represent delayed blessings, not denied blessings. Verse 9 and 10 again says, When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not wholly reap the corners of your field. You shall leave them for the poor and the stranger, for I am the Lord your God. Now that, Sentence at the end is interesting because he uses two different words. I am Jehovah, your Elohim. Jehovah means the self existent one who reveals himself. Elohim is more about the creator God who will be the judge. And so, our Jehovah, our Elohim. The one who reveals himself to us will be our judge, and he will work justly in our lives. He will make sure that we get our harvest. He will make sure that even though we do not reap the corner of that field, but somehow, some way, he will make that up for us. He will bless us in the process, in the journey of life. You can be sure God will be judged, and he will make sure that we get what is our due because we obeyed him. That's why Paul could write, Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Let's heart. not be weary while doing good. You can get weary doing good. We shouldn't, but we can and we do, don't we? And sometimes the reason why we feel weary is because we don't see anything coming back. There doesn't seem like any return. But there is. If we do not lose heart and we do not faint, as the AV says, God will make sure that somehow, somewhere, someway, someday, And God will bring that harvest into our lives. Can you say amen to that? So, when it comes to your delayed blessing, God may have hit the pause button for reasons sometimes only known to himself. But you can be sure it's for our benefit. It's not because he gets up in a grumpy mood. No. It's not because of some arbitrary decision he makes. When God decides to delay the blessing, it's for a good reason. Maybe we're not ready to receive it. Maybe we have to walk by faith more. Or maybe we need to be more thankful for what he's already given. There can be loads of reasons why, but when the time is right, and we're right, and it's right, nothing's going to stop it. God is going to make that blessing come true in your life. And then in the corner of someone else's field, (laughs) we've been talking about the corner of our field so far, but in the corner of someone else's field, there is a harvest that awaits you. (laughs) See, this works both ways. That little verse in John 4 we read there a moment ago, which we didn't quite finish the story, For in this the saying is true, one sows and other reaps. But then he says, verse 38 of John 4, I sent you to reap for that which you have not labored. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labors. Now I know in context we could be taught in there about soul winning. You know, you could be the person that could lead somebody to Christ (laughs) And you have not sown one seed into their life. Somebody else has done the sowing. You have done the reaping. Hmm? Isn't that true? That's right. Sometimes you're the one that does all the sowing. You're the one who witnessed that person work. You're the one who told them your testimony. You're the one who prayed for them. And they come into work someday, and some friend has taken them somewhere, and they got saved. And that friend who took them somewhere thinks, hey, this is going to go to my account because I'm the one who took them. Uh-uh. The sores and the reapers will adjust together. It's going to go to your account too because you're the one who sowed the most probably. But the principle's true in life. Just leave and one on the side for a moment. But in life, somebody somewhere right now in some field, field of their life, They have sowed, they have ploughed, they have tilled, they have tended, and a harvest is coming, and part of that harvest is coming to you. And they don't know that, and you don't know them, but it will come. And that's the unusual events that happen in life. Things happen to us that we hadn't thought about, we hadn't planned, we never imagined would ever happen, but it did happen. There it is. It's just happened. That little journey that Gary and I was on there just there last week, came right out of the blue, something I've always wanted to do, always planned to do, never got to do, and suddenly, somebody had done some sowing somewhere, and at that moment, I reaped the harvest. (laughs) Isn't it amazing how that works? And that works in your life. It's not just preachers, that works in your life too. But you've got to be conscious about it. So somewhere today, somebody has been working really, really hard, and they're going to be really, really blessed, and you're going to be part of the recipient of that blessing. It's going to, part of it's going to come your way, and you're going to enjoy it, and you're going to be blessed because of it, because God saw the sowing that you have done. And how many has reaped part of your harvest, the corner of your field. So it's payback time. Don't you like payback time? Isn't it good when God decides, hey, listen, now it's time for you to get a harvest. It's time for you to be blessed. That's wonderful. That's why you never should give up because you never know how close you are to that harvest coming your way. Wouldn't it be terrible to give up today and God was going to give it to you tomorrow? Wouldn't that be awful? Wouldn't you be sick to your stomach if you found that out, wouldn't you? So we're going to keep going on and we're going to keep motoring on. Because that harvest is coming our way. One sows, one waters, but God gives the increase. And that's God's love of sowing and reaping, and it works in so many areas of our lives. Just mentioned a few, but there are many other areas. As long as we keep sowing, we'll keep reaping. And that's the way that it works. We sow into each other's lives, we're going to reap. God will find a way for that to come back. Let me close with this old uh, the story. It's well known. But this man had a dream. And in the dream, his dream was about heaven and hell. And it was a very vivid dream. And he said that he saw hell, and there was this great massive banqueting table with every kind of delicacy and beautiful food imaginable on the table. But the people sitting around it were miserable and unhappy and sad and emaciated, literally starving to death. And they all had these great big long spoons, about a meter long spoon, and they were trying to feed themselves, but it was going all over their face and all over their clothes and onto the floor and all over the table. And, and they weren't get everywhere but their mouth. They couldn't get it in. But they were trying and trying and trying. And then he said, the scene changed to heaven. And he says, again, there's this great big long banqueting table with every beautiful, exquisite food you could imagine. And all these people sitting around the table were happy and they were smiling and they were laughing and they looked healthy and healed and hearty. But they too had these great big, big long spoons. But instead of trying to feed themselves, they were feeding each other across the table. They were dipping into their bowl and giving it to somebody else, to each other. And that, in a way, is like a parable of God's law of sowing and reaping we reach out to others. And as we do that, others reach out to us. And God finds an avenue, a way to bless. Thank God for his many, many ways. He's the source ultimately, isn't he? But he has many ways to get that to us. And he does it for his glory. Amen. Let's pray. Let's just take a moment. Your harvest is coming. God has ordained it. He has appointed it. The only thing that can stop it is you. Keep on keeping on. Keep on sowing. Keep on giving. Keep on reaching out. Keep on witnessing. Keep on praying for others. Keep on touching the lives of people. And your God will make sure that you do not miss out on anything he's got for you. He's got blessings with your name on it tokens of his blessing are coming every day if we have eyes to see so Lord we give you thanks today we bless you thank you that we're in safe hands in your hands thank you that your word is true it's unshakable your promises cannot be broken so we give you thanks for each and every one of them We bless you for everything you've done for us. Most of all, you've saved us, washed us in the blood of the Lamb. But we thank you for every temporal blessing that has come our way. We thank you for that, Lord, today. We bless you. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this podcast.